When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. podcasts. Hello, everybody. It's day two of our week of Audio Football Club podcast. We've got a very exciting show for you coming up. As previously mentioned, please send us an email with what you've enjoyed on the show this year and what you'd like more of in next season's Audio Football Club. The address is afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. Theme tune me. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, it's the first ever Telegraph football phone out. We're all familiar with the concept of a football phone in. It's when fans dial a premium rate phone number to talk to a retired footballer and tell them that their club should sack every person it employs. Then that same retired footballer disagrees with them. Loads of fun, but we are inverting that hoary old format here on Audio Football Club by spinning the telephone through 180 degrees and instead calling out and calling our network of reporters across the country. First up on the line, we're going to chat to our man in Manchester, Northern Football Correspondent James Ducker, to get his reaction to Manchester City's win over Leicester and a really quite incredible goal from Vincent Company. Let's get into it. Hello. Hi, James Ducker. Hi, hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm all right, mate, yeah. Good. Recovered from last night? Uh, I don't know about that, mate. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, it was interesting. Good, good. All right, we'll get straight into it, James. It was a dramatic evening at the City of Manchester Stadium on Monday night. Is that it now, James? Is the title won for Manchester City? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say it's won until it's, uh, it is done and dusted. Um, I think... If they could pick an opponent on the final day away from home, I think Brighton would probably be one of those very high up the list. But um, you know, I, I think I mean they've been they've done remarkably uh, you know well in recent weeks. It's been edgy, it's been tense. Um, I think Guardiola will be delighted at, uh, to get a couple of early goals against Brighton. But you know, just the way it's going, you know, I don't think it's uh, completely done yet. Um, I mean, a lot of people are, are talking and talking in that way and, and thinking it's done. But um, but yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, it, it would be extraordinary, wouldn't it, if if um, if City go and drop points on Sunday and then Liverpool do exactly the same, given how sort of impregnable both have been for you know weeks upon end. Now it would be um, be would be a great irony. But I, I personally sort of see see two 
victories. I think it'll end up with 98 points in 97, which is quite unfathomable, really. Yeah, just outrageous totals. Were you there for the Vincent Company? Um, sorry. Were you there for the Aguero goal in 2012, James? And how did the company yes, goal? Was. How did the company goal compare to it? Did it feel like a similar moment? Was it a, was it slightly less exciting? I think it felt more like the company moment against United in, in the April of that first title winning season when when he scored with a header and gave you know, gave City a a, a one 0 win over United and was was sort of absolutely central to their sort of come back from I think they trailed United by eight points that season with six games to go and and that was obviously a huge turning point in the um, the title race obviously if United had won, drawn or, or won that game it would have been a different it, it would have been a different story so it, it felt more like that like that for me I mean you know given obviously that the same person was involved uh, I know a couple of the lads in the press box are actually saying this has got company 2012 written all over it and um uh, and so it so it proved. I just don't think anyone could have expected if it was going to be a company goal, it would be, you know, an outrageous thirty-yard strike into the top top corner that left Casper Schmeichel no chance. So I think I think um, I think there's always a bit of a danger of sort of exaggerating sometimes these moments, and I, I'm not sure Aguero will necessarily ever have a um, ever quite have a parallel, Tom the city given given the occasion what what it meant you know the first the first Premier League title the first title I think for 44 years you know the way the uh, you know they sort of beat the neighbours who had long long cast a shadow over them on goal difference I just think that that was a sort of a fairy tale script that you know you it's probably not going to be written again I think this this season sort of, in so many ways, pushes it a very close second. Um, I just think it is it is extraordinary. It's hard, hard at times you're just struggling to sort of catch your breath with it all. But um, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure there'll be another Aguero moment for um, for four six months. But then again, you know, I mean, if Liverpool are winning handsomely against Wolves and City are one down with five minutes to go against um, against Brian on Sunday and somehow do it then you never know well Maybe com- we might need company to back step back. up again don't they they'll, yeah, need, they'll be indeed. screaming at him to shoot if that happens on Sunday um, so fitting really that company seems to have been the man who, who's won the title for them but presumably there's going to be none of that sentiment in their contract discussions Pep seemed quite evasive after the game when he was asked about those yeah he was evasive absolutely and I mean uh, company it, it, it all had very much the sort of air of a farewell, I thought, last night. I mean, Company sort of led the lap of honour. He was sort of 15, 20 yards ahead of his teammates. He had his three children with him. Looked very choked uh, up, you know, didn't he? He was. He was upset. There was tears. He was very emotional. There was a lot of waving to the crowd. Um, and he himself sort of didn't really know what what um, the future would hold. I mean, there was obviously been conversations already between the, his agent himself and the club, so uh, it didn't. It didn't look like it's a given that he's going to get a contract extension. I mean, he's absolutely adamant that he will carry on playing. So, if that is not at Manchester City, I'm sure there will be a disorderly queue of clubs lining up to sign him because he's uh, uh, the injuries have obviously been a, a problem. But I find it miraculous that a guy can 
uh, have suffered that that volume and that severity of injury over a three to four year period now and come back and perform uh, at the sort of level that he does, I think it is a testament to an iron resolve. And it sounds a bit cliched, but he, he's got to be one of the strongest characters that I've ever encountered in football. I mean, the determination, the desire to continually come back from injury setbacks and maintain that the level the level at that level in but he keeps he keeps having these sort of moments and 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 he, that at the back of his mind must be a huge motivating factor you know every time he ends up back at square one having to undergo his rehabilitation but i i, I Guardiola has found it very frustrating that he's not been able to play company more and looking at a centre half this summer and and i can you know, I can see that there's a chance that he will go. He's got his testimony in August, but personally, I think he's well worth another year. And, and even if he only plays 15 games for them, it's what he sort of offers around the training ground and in the dressing room. You know, you know, there's a, there's a there is a lot to be said for having a personality type like that around the place. And clearly, if he if he if he does go. Um, and he does play somewhere else and sees his career out somewhere else. He will back end up back at City, you know, some someday. I mean, they're very clear that they want company to be part of the club in some capacity going forward. Whether that's as a coach, a future manager, whether he's the sort of, you know, I, I look at him and think he's the sort of guy who could end up very much like the Edwin Van der Sars and the Carl Hines, Rumeneggers of this world. You know, like, you know, at his executive level somewhere, um, you know. Sort of working on on that that sort of side of the business, but I mean that's all for now. I mean I I, I personally would give him a new contract. I mean there's uncertainty over Otamendi's future. If Otamendi goes and they do bring another centre half in, I'd absolutely keep company for another year. I mean I, I personally would keep him for another twelve months anyway. Yeah, certainly hard to argue with that after last night. How did Pep seem last night when you saw him, James? It, it's from the outside. It looks like the pressure's almost got to him more than it has to Klopp. Yeah, well I. I, I I mean, I, I I think he's very. I mean, he, he's animated. He's often animated on the touchline, Tom, isn't he? But I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think he 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 looked. I was watching him last night on the touchline, and it didn't feel overly dissimilar to Mancini against QPR on that final day in 2012 when he completely lost the plot. I think Julian Lescott looked over him and thought, "What on earth is that man doing?" <laughs> he was going and, crazy um, at Sane last night, especially, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Sane sort of lost the ball at, at sort of 25 yards out, sort of 15 minutes to go, I think, and he was going absolute turns to his bench and he he, he looked. He, he, I mean. Uh, the suggestion is he sort of doesn't eat on match days and he doesn't look particularly well at the moment. I think he looks very, you know, he looks, you know, pretty pallid. He looks completely stressed and almost white as a sheet last night. And I mean, the guy put so much into it. I mean, he's just obsessive to the, to the last. And, you know, that has obviously got to take its toll. You know, I think he'll, he will, you know, if, if they see it out and, perhaps even complete a domestic treble. I think he will uh, enjoy and thoroughly deserve a very long holiday. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether that transmits through to the players, Tom, but, you know, it has been it has been more nervy and more agitated. And I, and I think they've shown deep wells of character and resolve and... Yeah, to come to come through it, especially all after all that Spurs words. game, is, is yeah. I mean so that impressive. Spurs game was deflating. I mean, the, I mean that that game on it. I think in any other 
scenario, we'll probably finish six or seven three to City. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sort of, you know, I, I, the damage was done in the first leg. I don't quite know how they didn't get through after that second leg. But, you know, I mean, they've had I mean, that's three 1-0 wins out of four, hasn't it? And a, and a 2-0 win against, uh, against United. I mean, they have... It's been nervy. It's been tense. I mean, last night, certainly for the first 30 minutes, they were giving the ball away a lot more than you would expect for, and looked wholly dependent on Bernardo, I think, on the right to sort of produce a moment of inspiration. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, they've been a little bit, I mean, you know, look, pressure sort of, pressure does strange things even to the very best doesn't it but they've somehow found found a way to come through it you know I mean they've still I mean it was still second half I mean Leicester was still under the cosh I mean they'll, they'll break away Burnley were under the cosh United were under, uh, under the cosh it's just I think we expect we've seen this team score three four five haven't we a lot and they've been having to sort of um, edge it out and hold the nerve and if there's a team that you expect to do that it's City they, they are they are a pretty remarkable beast yeah, um, absolutely. What about that mob down the road, though, James? We'll have a quick uh, chat about them as well. At, at this point, with how it's gone for Solskjaer, um, is it now looking like it's all down to Ed Woodward, or is, do we put some of the blame on Solskjaer for how their form has dropped away? What's your take on it? Well, a mob, a mob's a decent word. Basket <laughs> cases and other on and off the field. Um, well. <sighs> I mean, there there are sort of systematic issues on and off the pitch almost everywhere you look, Tom. I mean, it, I think it's a, a long, long, long-term rebuild now. In terms of Woodward, um, if you, you know, what has been the common denominator in the past six years? It's been him. I mean, if, if Solskjaer doesn't succeed, that's four failed managers on his watch. I mean, at, at, at what point? Did the Glazers look at the situation and think this isn't working out? Something has got to change. Will, will they do that when the balance sheet is still such a delightful reading? I, I would. I, I'd expect not. I'd expect. I'd expect not. I mean, he's very tight with the, the Glazers. What the one thing I would argue though is obviously the bottom line is enormous to them, but they have hemorrhaged so much money on the first team to little avail with, you know, with very little results. I mean, if anything, they're going backwards. And they're in and out of the Champions League. I mean, it's four times out of, fourth season and six, finished out of the top four, but the third season and six with no Champions League football, that is costly. Hemorrhaging money left, right and centre on a Frankenstein squad is costly. You know, with some, with some cohesive joined up thinking and a plan, they could make even more money. They could be <laughs> colossally rich, and and I, and I sort of wonder at what stage, you know, if they're not doing that, and you know, how much does the football actually matter? If that if that's the case, mm. well, just focus on Man City for them in the meantime, James. <laughs> much happier there. Enjoy the final day. Pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, James. Now onto the other side of the title race. Let's head down the M62 via the miracle of telephony and call Chris Bascom, our Merseyside football reporter. Hello. How you doing? All right. Good, good. Where did you watch it last night, Chris? I didn't. You didn't? No. Wow. <laughs> Two tenths. Yeah, I couldn't be 
bothered watching it. Just wasting my time, wasting my emotional energy. I just wanted to know the score at the end. Right, so fair enough. I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get straight into it. Feel free to mention that, I don't mind. Oh, OK. <laughs> we'll probably just leave this intro in. <laughs> Last night, defeat for Leicester, a win for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. No longer in Liverpool's hands. Is that it? Is that game over for Liverpool? Well... I can't say it's game over because there's one more to go and you never know and all that, but it, I think probably the last hope as far as people on Merseyside were concerned or Liverpool fans on Merseyside were concerned is that uh, you know it was going to be Brendan to the rescue mm. and obviously it, it never happened. I mean, it's uh, they're just running out of games now and it's very hard to imagine that Brighton are going to summon up some kind of performance that has not really been evident in them. I mean, they got a good result the other day and they did well at Spurs, but generally they've been in pretty pretty terrible form in 2019. And, um, you know, that that said, you know, I think Liverpool needed a penalty to win at Brighton earlier in the season and, you know, the nerves and the like it could, could be a factor, but I think it would be now, you know, a slip to rival the greatest of all slips if Manchester City don't win it from here. They were basically celebrating like they'd won the league after the game right. on Monday night. Is there any chance that that ends up looking a bit silly come Sunday? Well, I've seen a lot of the comments. I think there's been a lot of quite silly comments really after it. And I don't know where they ever seem to have some kind of weird obsession with Liverpool, Manchester City for some reason. Pep Guardiola claiming the media want Liverpool to win the league and. You know, there's no pressure on Liverpool. I mean, I don't know what kind of rubbish he, he you know, he, he's been getting fed or he, he actually genuinely believes that. But, you know, City do have about 150,000 PR staff going to cuttings of what Liverpool's been said and written about Liverpool. So maybe it's coming from them. I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether Pep Guardiola would ever let his players believe it's done. But I think they probably recognise that a major hurdle was, was overcome there. And, um you know, entitled to think that the hard work is now is now over, and and Liverpool maybe probably feel quite deflated by the whole thing. Does it feel like that in Liverpool that the media would rather Liverpool won the league? Because I assume most people there are so used to the era of you know, even though it was quite a long time ago. If you forgive me for saying, the, the era of dominance and and everyone not it's liking a, Liverpool it's very absolute much. Absolute rubbish, isn't it? You know, I mean, every every club. You know, the club seems to think you know a lot of fans think oh media favour. One one club over another, as other media is just like one big entity, and we all huddle in a corner together and work out to the start of the season. Ooh, don't don't tell them, Chris. Don't let them yeah. in on that secret. You know exactly. You know, I mean, it's a, we have specialist correspondents, and you know, I am my my job is to cover Merseyside football, and we have you know great reporters who cover Manchester and Newcastle, and you know, you, you, perhaps more and more now the way the, the media world has evolved, you do become more affiliated with clubs. So if you read a certain reporter, you might see they're taking more of an angle around the you know the patch they cover. But it's all very well spread out. It's all very fair. It's all very impartial. We have great guys in desk at offices in London who decide what the best stories are. And Liverpool going for the title for the first time in 29 years is a fantastic story. If Liverpool were going for their 10th title in 10 years and Manchester City were going for their first in 50... You know, as was the case not so long ago or whatever, it would be completely different. And, you know, there are people, there are people who sort of made these, they're sensible people, you know, there are people who say they've been press officers and Manchester City is particularly proactive when it comes to holding a grudge against Liverpool for whatever reason. 
they know this really, but you know they have to sort of fill the time. They have to, they've got a lot of time on their hands, and really they should just be focused on their fabulous achievements. You know they're, they're so far ahead in terms of infrastructure and financial resources that you know they shouldn't really be worrying about anybody else. But um, these are the games that get played. On. What's the mood been like in Liverpool for the last couple of months, and, and how will it be uh, when we're speaking yeah, on Tuesday it's morning? It's been fantastic, you know, and and it's you know I, I found I must say I found it very odd this season. I think it maybe began last year with the Champions League run, where I, I mean I, this is just a personal view that that you know when Liverpool were pretty poor and uh, you know there's a lot going on the court which was wrong and, and the whole takeovers and all that nonsense. A lot of people thought it was a good laugh at Liverpool, really. There was no kind of necessarily vindictiveness other than maybe, you know, what, natural big rivals from the past, local rivals and that. But, you know, if people do thought a good laugh at Liverpool, look at the state of them, do you think they're going to win the league again? And it sort of seems to have turned into a little bit more of an antipathy since since last season, for whatever reason. Oh, oh my, they might actually do something now. We can't have that. <laughs> um but, you know, around the city itself, in terms of Liverpool supporters and around Anfield, it's completely been transformed. It's a fantastic place to go every game. You're just getting rich entertainment. The fans are just bringing back, really, you know, the Anfield atmosphere has really returned. And all that's lacking, all that's missing is that reward for that. And it is a shame, really, that it does look as though it's going to be another season without that you know, trophy and... Um, you know, you get what you deserve at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the season. And, you know, City will deserve their title if they take it. And Barcelona will certainly deserve, should should they go through or whatever, you know, the York Champions League. And um, Liverpool is going to have to do that a little bit better. Yeah, that's the strange thing, isn't it? Because by any measure, more or less, it's been Liverpool's best ever league season. If you look okay. at the points yeah. per game, it, it eclipses even 87-88, which was yeah. an absolutely amazing year for them. Yeah. But, of course, if you're a professional footballer, you're taught from a very young age that winning is absolutely everything. How do you manage that if you're Klopp, the, the mood of that for the players? It's kind of uncharted territory. What yeah. message will he send out? I suppose he's, he's used to it, unfortunately, now, this kind of cons- consolation speech, isn't it? I mean, he had a 2016 Europa League final last year in Kiev. So we're getting a bit sick of it. I suppose more and more, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people invest a lot of money to go and watch their football team and you kind of always need to take a survey and support what do they want from it. You know, obviously you want the reward of a trophy. Um, would you trade a season like this, you know, at Liverpool for a season like, say, in 2012 where they won the Capital One Cup? I don't think you would, really. Um, you know, I think I think the 2012 season was a better season for Liverpool because they got the League Cup out of it. You know, it was a terrible season in terms of league performance. So, yeah, you know, it's a constant debate. You know, unless you win something, that the era is not successful. I don't think in this modern age that is true because the challenge is so so tough to win. I think perhaps 20, 30 years ago. You know that the trophies were spread a bit far, far further away. You know you could, you know, teams like Sunderland and uh, could win the FA Cup, and it, you know, the, the, it was, just look when you look at the way the trophies are distributed now, it always is the same clubs who tend to win it. You know, so um, I think it's more about the experience, about feeling as though you're, you're part of something, you're part of a, you know, the culture of going to that game, and 
you know, it looked getting up on match day and really having that feeling in your stomach, oh, it's going to be great today. And, and I think we've seen, you know, football change a little bit over the last few years where it's not enough now to just have managers who just want to get the results. I think even teams that have been in the Premier League for a few years want more. You know, they want that more aspirational football. They want to feel as though, you know, it's almost like a theatre production now. You don't want you want to see a good show and um, get your money's worth. And uh, whether that ends with a trophy, fantastic. But I think it's just about you know loving your club and loving what it represents. Plenty of reasons for optimism. Then uh, enjoy the game on Sunday against Wolves, Chris. I will do. Thank you very much, Tom. Finally, staying in Merseyside, it's only Liverpool legend and Telegraph sport columnist Jamie Carragher. Hello. Hi, Jamie. Tom Gibbs. Are you, Tom? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. Thanks. Good, good. Fully recovered? Uh, yes, yes. Bit of a sickener when that goal went in, but <laughs> there's, still, there's still one more chance. <laughs> good, good. All right, we'll get straight into it. Being honest, what was your reaction when that goal went in last night? Uh, my first reaction was, wow. Yeah. I mean, what what a goal. But, but there was a little tinge of, oh, you know, to... Uh, I thought it was getting that time really where it was just about to start getting nervous to see if they haven't been in that position too much this season. Only games are wrapped up by that stage and, and they haven't had to go to the last minutes like Liverpool have had to a lot of times. So, but it does feel like uh, if City get to 70 odd minutes and they're not in front, that, that is a bit of a nervous thing for them because they're not, you know, not used to it. Is there any defensive problem in how that goal was conceded? Were you, were you hoping that someone closed him down a bit more? Yeah, but we, we noticed Chowdhury in the first half. We highlighted that in the analysis of half-time, the job he was doing. And he was doing a really good job stopping City's sort of attacking midfield players. So I could understand the position he was in. It wasn't normal, but it was it was, it was was something, obviously, the manager had spoke to them about, and it did nullify uh, the attacking midfield players of City. So I can, I can understand, I couldn't have a go at them for being so deeply. That that was the you know the setup. And when it's come to the centre-backs, I mean, that, looking at the game, I think it was obvious the tactic from uh, Leicester was to not throws the centre-back down really anywhere on the pitch. We didn't really uh, do that. They let them have the ball and try and nullify them in other areas. But they probably just let them come probably five or six yards too close. But it's not often the centre-back going to do that. So it's uh, it's one that you just think, it looks certainly a defining moment and, and, and nothing you would expect really from a centre-back to do that. Is that it now, do you think, for Liverpool? Is that the final nail in the coffin? No, because obviously there's one more game and strange things do happen. Uh, I think with two games to go, I don't think anyone had much hope that Leicester or Brighton would take points off, off City. But the way the, the Leicester game went, uh, how well they played, probably didn't look dangerous enough at the other end. And that, that's the big problem. You keep thinking about keeping a clean sheet against City. I think it's virtually impossible to stop them scoring. You've got to try and score yourself. And, and no one actually looks like scoring against them. And that's the... Uh, the tough bit for teams who come up against them but there's, there's always a game in it. but I, I, I fear or oh, certainly feel sorry that it would take something bizarre like, like a red card basically uh, a crazy refereeing decision something like that I don't think normal City are going to go to Brighton and, and not win that game comfortably Has the nature of this title race surprised you Jamie how both teams have just kept winning it, it feels like we've never really seen anything quite like it in this country no, it is. I mean, there's always something. There's always a slip here or there or a mistake or drop points and and, and a lot more drama, really. We keep saying this would be one of the best title races, maybe two of the best teams, but in terms of the actual title race, it hasn't had that sort of 
that drama really yet that you always expect really in questions being asked uh, of certain teams them having to come back the next game after you know dropping points and, and hoping someone else dropped points and, and it probably would be more exciting in some ways even if City was still a point ahead if uh, both teams had dropped points and I think that's the problem as well because both sides are dropping points there's no belief from the other team that, that, that their opposition will, will drop points really uh, you can't really see it happening I expect both teams to win again at the weekend but Sometimes in the back of your mind, you, keep, you still keep thinking, this has never happened before when both teams continually win. So is there one more sting in the tail for Liverpool, for City, whatever it may be? I just, I, you, you can't help but think something strange might happen on the last day because it has been an unbelievable title race and it could probably do with a little bit more drama in some ways and that may, we, we may have to wait till the final day for that. Yeah, let's hope so. Bang up for some final day drama. Tell us about how hard it is to go on the sorts of winning runs that City and Liverpool have been on in the last few months. It's, it's massively difficult when there's that pressure of the title and no one won. Bad result, you're going to lose top spot. I mean, it's continually changing every weekend who's top of the league. That That's not easy either. You know, every time the opposition play, they win, then you have to go next. So sometimes it's City playing first, sometimes it was Liverpool. And and I don't think the the top team has changed so much in a, in a league season as this, how often it's happened, uh, really. I mean, I've been on, played in teams when we've been chasing the title. We've won like the last 10 games of the season. But we were chasing someone maybe three or four points behind so there's not as much pressure on the much on these two teams whereas they know if one bad result and, and maybe that's the title gone we weren't playing under that pressure I mean it was still pressure to a certain extent but when you're chasing the pressure isn't as big as if, you, if you're top of the league and, and these two teams are both apparently top of the league you know depending on who's playing first or, or second over the weekend so it's, uh, it's monumental what these two teams are doing. You can only admire the both of them. Yeah, I was looking at that season when Liverpool were chasing, as you say, 2008-9. You played 54 times in that season. How much difference does tiredness make? What effect does it have? Is it you feel yourself getting slightly further away than you should be to play as you're marking, or is it more of a mental thing? I, I think it's a bit of both. I think the mental side does come into it, really. I don't think it will affect these teams now or certainly City on the last game because obviously going out the Champions League I mean we had a couple of seasons obviously in 2005 the Champions League and also 2001 where we won three cup competitions so we did probably had a harder schedule than the Man City we played 63 games That's, I'm not sure what City have played this season but City did have that run in, in sort of February, March, April where it was just looked relenting uh, and you felt they had to drop points at some stage, and they just never, just continually won. And the run they've, they've gone on, I mean, since that Newcastle uh, defeat, is it must be one of the greatest runs you've seen in, in English football, uh, even if you include the cup competitions as well. The only game they lost since then, I think, is the Spurs in the, in the Champions League. So it's, uh, it is monumental what's happening. I think when we look back at this season, I think points totals are going to be two of the greatest points totals of all time. Yeah, it's been quite uh, quite incredible what's gone on at the top of the league. What is the mood going to be like in the Liverpool squad on Tuesday? Do you think they're going to be despondent after the result on Monday night or is it just full of confidence still that they've been on this run? I'm not, I think it'd be, it could, the players will be a little bit flat after last night. Not so much because City won, because they expect to win. Probably the way they won, with, with, with it, you know, late in the game, uh, certainly to City. 
But the man who scored, the type of goal it was, you think, how often is that going to happen? Really, that makes you think, you know, with City's name on it type of thing. But people have been saying about Liverpool because they scored so many late goals. But I, I just uh, think the players will need a, a big lift and the supporters uh, for Barcelona and from the manager. But they will get that. And uh, I think they could give Barcelona a serious run for the money in, in the game. Obviously, I don't think they'll go through. But I think they could give Barcelona a scare. How do you see it going this evening? The thing that I can't get past is, I mean, I could see Liverpool scoring a bunch. It's the it's the other end that worries me. It feels like it's going to be so hard not to concede that away goal. Yeah, I think Liverpool will win the game. I know they've got a couple of players out, but I just think the the crowd and Barcelona's away record, they haven't lost too much in the Champions League this year, but they've certainly had some big defeats. You think of Paris Saint-Germain and Roma in the last few years in the Champions League. I think if Liverpool had Salah and Firmino fully fit, I would say there was probably a, a 10% chance he could get through. I don't see any chance now without those two, but I do believe Liverpool can give Barcelona a scare and when they come off the pitch, you think, oh, thank God that game's over. I think it, the, the, people keep talking about an early goal. I don't think it's massive to get an early goal. I just think it's massive. If Liverpool if Liverpool are 1-0 at half-time, I, I, that, that's what makes the second half interesting. And then it's just all gun cold guns, you know, guns blazing type of thing and people are worrying about the away goal I don't think you should worry about that to be honest because you know you've got to score goals to go through and as soon as Barca get the away goal it's probably that's it done and dust and you can probably then I don't know if the game's finished with, with half an hour to get, maybe take players off for uh, actually look after them for Sunday uh, really but uh, I wouldn't be worrying about the away goal because that's just uh, that's, you've got to go for and you've got to get goals and if they get the, the away goal it's just you know, there's no pressure on Liverpool tonight. You have to, you know, if they get the away goal, they get it. You know, that's probably the end of the tie. But before they do get it, do absolutely everything to try and get goals and lift the crowd and use the energy because Liverpool completely outrun Barcelona on a pitch that big. This is a tighter pitch at Anfield. Yes, Barcelona rested players, but I'm not sure tiredness comes into it now. Like, you know, one, two games of the season to go. And uh, yeah, I think the Anfield crowd, I, I think it could be an interesting night. Let's hope so. Finally, Jamie, it's obviously been a fantastic season for Liverpool's team, their squad, but Klopp has got to take so much of the credit for what's happened at Anfield. What's impressed you most about Jurgen Klopp this season? The way he continually lifts his team when, when things haven't gone well, which hasn't been often, or City continually win and it sort of demoralises Liverpool supporters and I'm sure at times some of the players. But he always seems to find, find the right ways to lift everyone again. I think that's what makes him a special manager. Obviously, he knows the game. But uh, it's his personality and his character, I think that you know makes him different from most managers in world football. And uh, I think his words going into the Wolves game will be very interesting. I think he, he will find a way or find something to uh, actually make Liverpool supporters believe on Sunday that this uh, title still up for grabs. Good stuff. Hope you enjoy the game on Sunday and on Tuesday night as well, Jamie. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Thank you to Jamie and thank you to all of you who've emailed the podcast in the last week. We've had Cameron Donnelly on who says next season he wants more tactics from JJ Ball, more songs from Europe from Mina Rizuki and more what he calls mad predictions from Matt Law. We'll do our best, Cameron. Less positive email from Daryl Gannon who writes, No wonder the UK and the Tory graph are in such a mess over Brexit. Your podcast states all of Sheffield United squad members are British when in fact four are from Ireland. Many apologies, Darrell. An unacceptable error on our part. Hope you're still with us and hope you can find it in your heart to forgive us. 
That's your lot for this episode. We'll be back with you tomorrow with a celebrity interview here in the audio recording facility. You can contact me on Twitter as ever. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs. Don't forget to send us an email, afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. We will read out the best of what you send us. We just did it. Why would you doubt me? Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. Just look for Telegraph Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Tomorrow, in fact. 